Welcome everybody again to Marine Covenant Church. My name is Ben Kearns and I am with Miss Chloe Oldenbrook. I know. This morning you guys are in for a treat because uh, Chloe is going to share the preaching task with me, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And you may not know this, but Chloe and I have a lot in common. We both grew up here in Marin County, right? Yes. Um, and what's, what high school do you go to? Redwood. That's okay. I went, well, that's okay. Yeah. Um, I actually went to San Marin. Uh, thank you. Uh, that's, okay. that's okay. That's okay. It's okay. We both. We forgive you. Thank you. I got it. We both, um, we both crushed uh, the high school experience. I mean, you, oh, yeah. we're both great students. What, uh-huh. what, what's your GPA? Like 4.1. 4.1. I had a 3.1. Same so it's thing. just like one point off. That's not bad. That's really Same great. Thing. Yeah. And, uh, and then also, you may not even realize this, but, but both of us are equestrians. Did oh, you know yeah. that? Um, I spent um, a whole two months of my high school career being one. Yeah. Um, and you've been doing that for a little bit longer, right? Yeah, like 12 years. 12 years. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> we wanted to begin. I wanted to hear the story of Chloe and her uh, story of how she became an equestrian. I just think it's really fun and powerful. And so why don't you start with what just even inspired you to become an epic horseback rider? Yeah, so I read a book when I was little about this horse and this man. So this horse's name is Snowman. And so this man, Harry DeLayer, bought this horse while the horse was on the way to the slaughterhouse because he was like not a good plow horse um, and turned him into this record-breaking show jumper. Um, And the coolest thing about the story is the connection that they had. So Harry DeLayer actually tried to sell the horse to one of his neighbors, um, but the horse would jump over any fence that they put around him to get back to his original owner, Harry DeLayer. So I just thought that was like the coolest thing ever. That is cool. And so you read the story when you were little. Yes. And you said, that's it. I'm going to become a horse jumper, Pretty whatever much. it takes. And, uh, and so you bought all the cool clothes. Check oh, out this yeah. picture of Chloe. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, so that's me in my first riding outfit when I was five years old. And so this is where I feel like you and I took different paths because when I became an equestrian, (laughs) you know, I bought a hat and a belt buckle and boots and I was ready to go. And you look super great and have all the right things, but it turns out there's a lot more than just looking the part, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a big part of it. I thought so. But (laughs) the practice is a huge thing. So like on the horse, I'm up there four or five times a week up there being in Petaluma where the barn is. After school. After school. Yeah. And on the weekends and stuff. Um, and it's on the horse and it's also off the horse. There's a lot of what we call horsemanship. And so it's like building a connection with the horse and being able to interact with it and take care of it and mucking the stalls and cleaning yes. poop and all the not as glamorous things. And, and, how, and all of that stuff though builds certain amount of muscles that it actually helps you bond with the horse. And yeah, there's, it's such a mental sport, which is the coolest thing about it. And it's, it's not a team sport technically, but it's like you have a teammate. Yeah, I love that. And so not only do you look the part, then you put in all the work and effort, mm-hmm. and then there's this giant payoff. Check out this picture of Chloe just crushing it at competition. <laughs> Is that awesome? Where was this picture? So that's at Sonoma Horse Park. It's just off of Lakeville. Um, and that was my, one of my first meter 10 classes, which is like three foot seven is the height. That is awesome. And you're actually smiling. I think my eyes would be like <laughs> pure terror and you actually look like, like you're enjoying yourself. Grimacing. It's all focus. I love it. <laughs> well, I, I just love that story so much because I think what we're going to be talking about, what we have been talking about and will continue to talk about is this journey of discipleship, the call, right? This, this the life of discipleship. And for the last five or six weeks, we've been looking at, gosh, this is the picture of what it means to be a follower of Christ. Um, but for the next three or four weeks, we're going to take a, a little middle chunk out and talk about the work behind the 
work because it's not just the picture of who Jesus is. Like, oh, that's super great and inspiring. You get all the nice clothes and you get your Bible with a color on every page. That's just like the beginning. That's step one, right? But we want to actually be these wholehearted, fully um, empowered disciples of Christ that can be the people that God longs for us to be. And so there's actually a process. There's some work before the work that has to get done. And so today we're going to kind of just give a broad overview of that. And then for the next three weeks, uh, Jeff's going to give some really clear, practical helps to make sure that we are doing the things so that we're building the character. So when God says yes, we're ready to go so that we don't just have the nice Bible, we're actually implementing what God has for us. And so as we get jumped in here, why don't you read the definition that we've been using for this whole series so far? Yeah. So the definition of a disciple is someone who follows, learns from, and lives like Jesus. This means conform, conforming our words and ways to the words and ways of Jesus. That's right. And these are all little, small, and important things that we do since the time we were kids, um, all the way until the time we die. And it's a very important part of the process. And what I love is uh, Moses, in the very beginning of the Pentateuch, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, he begins to paint this picture. Even before he tells what the actual laws and commandments are, he said, listen, there's a certain rhythms, there's certain practices that you're going to do day in and day out to make sure this happens. Uh, it says this, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk to them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them on your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. And I just love this passage because when you think about spiritual disciplines, it's all of the markers, all the reminders that help remind us to make sure that we're in proximity to Jesus so we can ultimately hear his voice and then do what he says. And, um, and so what we're going to be talking about over the course of today, the next few weeks, is this really simple process, right? That we want to be in proximity to Jesus. We recognize that the work that we do isn't work so that God just likes us better. This work is to be a partnership with the Holy Spirit so that our identity is secure as daughters and sons of the King. And as daughters and sons of the Kings, we get all the rights and all the responsibilities of being that child. And then we want to live wholeheartedly into that. So that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today and then for the next few weeks. And, um, and I love that story of, of being inspired, being a horseback rider, and then being an epic horseback rider. And for you, in your faith journey, how have you seen those two things be parallel, that, that process of being inspired and disciplined and then doing it? Yeah, it's, the process is actually so similar for me. Um, it's the ability to practice and be all in. And the more you practice, at least for me, the more I find joy in what I'm doing. And so for the spiritual disciplines, like I'm in the daily Psalms group chat that Maya was talking about earlier. So it's like the more that I dive in deeper to that, the more I find joy in it, the same way, the more I practice with riding, the more I find joy. I love that. Was there, an, um, was there something that when, when you're like, I'm going to become this awesome horseback rider and like, okay, but here's something you need to do. Here's a task that you're like, Oh, I cannot believe, how's that even going to make me a better horseback rider? But it actually is something that's really valuable to the process. The mucking stalls. The part. mucking stalls. That's <laughs> it, yeah. That's and what does mucking mean for those of us who don't, it's, aren't hip on the equestrian? Right now? <laughs> it's literally just like cleaning out the stall and like cleaning the poop out of the stall. And it's so lovely. It's so lovely. But, so lovely. But you found to be a valuable thing, right? It's part so of the valid. whole thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And is there something in your own walk with Christ that you're like, oh my goodness, here's something that's people older than you or said, hey, you should do this, you should do this. And you're like, oh, should I really? But you did it and you found it to be really beneficial. 
Yeah, so my mom has always, like, every morning, 5 a.m., she gets up and she does quiet time. Like, that's really? her thing. I know, for an hour. And I was like, that's really early. That's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, but actually doing that action of quiet time, maybe it's not at 5 in the morning, but being able to just sit with God has been so helpful for me to grow in my faith with him. I love that. What's so fun is having these different practices, and they, they are the, the religious practices of going to church and having quiet time, and, and they're, they're structures to our faith because our faith, it is a structure that we need, but at the same time, it's a partnership with the Holy Spirit that then comes alive. So we don't just do a structure, and we also don't just do whatever we want we feel like. We want to have this structure. And Christians for a long time have had this thing called a rule of life, and a rule of life is like a trellis. It's like, that, like a, a gardener, when they take this, this bush, and they go, oh, look at this nice little bush or plant. The whole point is that it would bear fruit. And they figure out if they can trellis it correctly, if they care for it correctly, it'll bear much fruit. In the same way, we are these plants that actually need to be trellised. We actually need structures in our life that allow our plant to fully grow so that we can be pruned, so that we can get all the sunlight, and so ultimately that we can bear fruit. Because at the end of the day, this is, again, this is not about work. This is not about so that God loves you better. It's simply about being in the right posture so that you can um, bear the fruit that happens when we're connected to the Holy Spirit. Um, and when you think of what I think is fun about trellising in that passage in Deuteronomy is trellising actually begins when you were a kid. And, and as a little kid, there were things that your family did that helped put you on this path towards Christ. Would you mind sharing what some of those are? Yeah. So the biggest thing was we go to church. Like we're a family who does church on Sundays. Yes. And then we went to middle school and then we're a family that does youth group on Wednesdays. Yeah. And we, <laughs> we, we put ourselves in this place where we're surrounded by our people and our community who love Jesus. Yeah. I love that. It's like in Deuteronomy, you're like every morning you're going to do this. Every night you're going to do this. You're going to tie it on your road. And I'm sure there's been plenty of Sundays where you're like, oh my goodness, I cannot believe I have to go to church. Do you even know what happened last night or a Wednesday? <laughs> do you have, know how much homework I have? And and so there, I mean, even as someone who's on staff, you're like, I cannot believe it's Sunday morning sometimes. Like that happens. And so, but the, the, the trellis puts us in a posture so that we're always in place. Yeah. And again, it's, it's this fine line because there's been plenty of people that we know, right? Who've been like, go to church, go to church. And now you have this religiosity and then they end up going, well, then they walk away. And again, yeah. it's about being partnered with the Holy Spirit. Right. And so I'm, I'd love for you to read this passage in Romans uh, that yeah. we've been talking about that kind of help frame what this work looks like. Yeah. Yeah, so Romans 8 says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. I love that. It's so fun. I mean, it's such a great passage. And in fact, you did a little bit of study for the last couple of weeks. And what were some things as you just looked at this passage and read through it and studied it, what were some things that stood out to you that really impacted you? Yeah, my favorite thing about this verse was um, the part where it says he adopted you as his own. Yeah. And I just thought that was so cool because it's like, he adopted, like he chose to have us as yeah. his children. Like he wants us to be his children. So that was my biggest takeaway. I love that. What's so fun about this passage of scripture is we talk about the Holy Spirit all the time and we are Holy Spirit people and the Holy Spirit empowers us. The Holy Spirit heals us. The Holy Spirit sends us. The Holy Spirit does, transforms us, right? Does all this work in us. But one of the main things the Holy Spirit does is it marks us. Mm -hmm. 
right? Says, man, you are my child. You are my daughter. You are my son. Just like, you know, in a biological child, right? You look like your parent. You've been marked with the DNA of your parent. And the Holy Spirit is the DNA of God that says, you are my child. And, uh, and as children, right now, we get all of the rights and all the responsibilities. And so part of the process is owning this identity. And uh, last summer, you had a really powerful encounter at Unite, which is our big youth camp. Um, but God used that to really solidify some of your identity. Would you share that with us? Yeah, so I have always sort of struggled with my like sense of worthiness and my purpose. And um, over the course of Unite and then also the senior road trip, um, it was like the coolest experience because it felt like God was directly talking to me and telling me that I have purpose and I'm worthy in him. And for that reason, like I'm firmly secure in my identity in him. That's so cool. I think, I mean, it's such a powerful thing. And even someone who's just a few years older than you, I think, I mean, I'm still wrestling with that and trying, you know, (laughs) to own that and understand that. And so I just think what a great marker to have and that to recognize that we just spend our whole life kind of circling around and around to make sure we know that deeper and deeper. But in this season, how have you found your faith different, having it rooted in your identity as opposed to just rooted in trying to be a good you know, religious person. Yeah, it's almost like it was like me just trying to like be a good religious person before. I'm so much more motivated to just like with myself dive deeper into God's word and what he has to say and what he's said in the past. Like it's just like, I don't know, I'm more encouraged to dive into my faith. I love that. I think what's so fun about the discipleship journey, especially when it's framed uh, through our identity, we, it just takes away all of the works thing. It's not, this is, again, this is not, this is how to be a person that God loves. This is about owning who you are as a child of God with all of the rights, all the spiritual blessings, all the goodies that you get from being adopted into God's family. But then being a part of God's family means you get all of the responsibilities. God has this family business. He has a job. He has a, a field, right? This kingdom of God that he wants to move forward and he wants his children to be a part of the family business. And it's really different working for a boss versus working for a family business. And I think sometimes in the church, we think we're just working for a boss and therefore we just want to get paid. We want to do the minimal. We just want to like not get in trouble. We but it's different when you realize this is, you're a co-heir. Like the family business is going to be your business one day. And so we want to work in such a way to partner with the, the Holy Spirit in that. And so what I love is that this idea that we're, we're identities in Christ, we're as children and we're heirs. And so now the process becomes how in the world do we come to hear the voice of God and then not only hear the voice of God, but then do what he says. Um, and so before we hop into this, I think what's just one thing I, want, I think is a fun illustration because we sometimes, because we can't see God, we make it way more complicated than it needs to be. God lo- made us to know him. We're made in the image of God. And we're, we understand how to relate with parents. Even if we have come from a dysfunctional family, we go to therapy and we learn how to figure out how to be a functioning adult. Like we understand identity. We understand all those things. And, uh, and so we do it naturally in the real world. And we just have to simply take what we know in the real world and apply it. So think of it this way. How do you know that you're Paulina's daughter? Well, you know, she has given me a great sense of style. Uh, Incredible. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) That comes from her. Um, And just supporting me in my passions like riding. Um, But with all of that, I also know I'm her daughter um, because, you know, like chores and those kind of responsibilities come with all that. And it's funny, actually, first hour you said right out of the gate chores were the, were, were the marker. And, uh, but it is interesting that when you think of our identity, chores, like being part of the family is like, like if I came over for dinner, 
I'm going to have a great meal, be with your family. That's all great. And then move on. But then there'll be all these dishes. I heard in your family, that's a big no, no. Big... Dishes are a thing in our yeah. family. <laughs> and so, right. So you have to, so you, you do the dishes, you do the chores. You're part of the family system. Right. And uh, another thing that you said that I thought was really funny is that I didn't realize it's about Paulina, but she loves plants. She loves plants. So we live in an apartment, so we can't have a garden. Yep. So she's created her own little garden type thing in yep. the corner of our, our balcony. And I killed one of her plants. What? Well, and what, she probably asked you to do something, right? She told me to water She said them. to kill them? She, <laughs> she was gone for like two or three weeks. Okay. And she was like, water them once or twice a week. And oh. I totally did not. Whoa. And I killed one of her strawberry plants. Oh my goodness. And so this is kind of crazy, <laughs> right? Because your mom said something super clear to you, right? Correct. And I mean, it wasn't like, did God say something? Like, it was clear. Just water two times a week, right? Right. But then you didn't. Right. And, uh, and then did she kick you out of her family? Pretty much. That's no, what <laughs> so what no, happened? We got past it. She forgave me. Right. Isn't that crazy? And like, but that is true. Like, like when we know our identity is secure and we learn to hear from God, what a gentle way that God moves us along. And when we screw up, he forgives us and heals yeah. us. And, right. But he also longs for us to grow in character and all the things. And I love that. Um, she's like, don't kill my plans again. That is awesome. Well, I love this passage, and in, uh, in John says this, the gatekeeper um, opens up the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls out his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And the assumption is that as children of God, we're going to know the voice of God. We're going to know the voice of our heavenly parent, right? Of, of, and we're going to know him. And by, and by knowing his voice, then we're actually going to be able to do what he says. And so there's these two parts that have to happen. One, we have to be in a posture where we can actually hear from God, which that takes a whole level of work. But then the second part is how do we grow in character um, to actually do the things that he says for us to do? And, um, and so for you, um, I feel like you begin to set up um, some process. So how do you hear God's voice? What are the things that you have put in your life so that you can make sure you can hear from God? Yeah, so quiet times, like I said before, that's been a thing for me occasionally. And then um, every now and then when I just feel like I need to hear God, I'll just pause the music in my car when I'm driving somewhere and just like talk to God out loud and listen to him. And it like creates this physical sense of relationship with him. I love that. And what's again, it's what's so fun about that idea of spiritual disciplines and trellising. It's like, okay, I have a quiet time. And sometimes it feels really great and God shows up. And sometimes you go through the motions, but wanting to be people who hear from God, we also have these places to make that happen. And so for you, it's in your car. And so if you ever drive past Chloe, if she's not driving too fast, you can see her talking and right. And it's all great. And for me, I found, gosh, when I go out hiking out outside and I don't have my cell phone with me and I can actually calm my brain down, I feel like, oh, that's my spot to encounter God. And so I love, we want to have both those places, the, the, the rhythms and rituals that we have, but then we also want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit to make sure we're in places that we hear from God. And God's really gracious too, that it seems like there's certain markers. We're all wired differently. And it seems like when you think of your whole life, it's like, oh, every time I go to this place or every time I showed up at this conference or every time like, and God just builds expectation in us. And so if that's the case, then go to those places, especially in a dry spell to go and find those places, right? So we do certain things individually and then we do other things uh, to make sure we're around God's people. And so what are things that you've done to make that happen? Um, Like kind of, as I said earlier, church and youth group, like those are our things to like be in community with our people. And because of that, I've been able to get really close with my small group with our leader, Alicia. Um, And it's just been such an awesome experience to be able to like surround um, myself with people who love Jesus the same way I love Jesus. I love that. I think it's, I mean, 
it's not, it's not rocket science. I mean, it's, it's very simple things, right? People make so much money on helping people lose weight or certain things, and it's like, just eat less. Like, it's not hard, right? And, and we make this so hard. How do you grow in your faith? You, you put yourself in a spot to hear from God. You put yourself around God's people. And that combination allows us to remember ourselves. It's the trellis. And then hopefully that we're, those people are reminding you to be connected to the Holy Spirit and not in a work way, but in a way that reminds us of our identity. And um, so then we hear, and then what's really fun is as we are here from God, every now and then God says to do something. So like your mom said, hey, water your plants. And you're like, gosh, now I know, right? Yes. But in the same way, God, what I, what I love is that you've put your plate, yourself in all these places, Chloe, and God actually is speaking to you. And so I'd love for you to share with us. Now, we're going to have a quick, awkward transition. We're going to stand up because they got to move the table and chair and stuff away. <laughs> so, but I'd love for you as we stand up that you would um, just tell us um, how, um, where you've heard from God and what is the unique thing that God actually is calling you to do. Yeah. So over Unite, we talked about this concept of a kingdom worker, which is Use, allowing God to use you to bring his kingdom here. And so what I kind of took that as was God saying to start interacting more as a youth group um, in service activities in our community. Um, and so my goal right now is trying to build a service team that we can partner with and build relationship with as a youth group. Um, and have teenagers in Marin serve our community. Gosh, that's a pretty big, like, <laughs> noble thing, I think, right? I mean, it's some, right? Okay, good, I'm sure playing. I mean, when, when Chloe came back, she said, this is what I want to do. I was like, oh my goodness, like, that's a pretty big thing. Like, I haven't even heard God ask, say, say something like that to me. And uh, what I love about that, Chloe, too, is that you came back and, and sometimes we get inspired and we hear, oh my goodness, God, you have this thing for me. And then you end up just running off out after it as hard as possible but there is a character piece. There is a development piece. And what I love about you, Chloe, is that you came back and you told Shelly, and Shelly's like, oh my goodness, that's incredible. That feels really big. So instead of just going to Redwood tomorrow and doing this thing, let's keep talking and praying. And so you invited Shelly in, who invited Danny in, who now is like being patient to be around God's people, yeah. to hear and discern the voice of God, and to see how that's going to actually impact our youth group, I think is really fun. Yeah. And, uh, and when, she, when, when Chloe shared this to me, I was super inspired. And so I started thinking, gosh, how in that work, how's that work for me? And, uh, and I was trying to come up with something that was really big like Chloe's, but I couldn't do it. So, and plus, I didn't want to upstage you. Okay. So, um, but I, I had a very simple thing um, happen to me this last weekend. And it's everything that you talked about that I made sure I spent time with God and was with God's people, and then now had have them help me do what he said. And a bunch of us guys uh, went backpacking last weekend, and uh, you may not realize this, but even adult men are addicted to their phones, and to not have your cell phone for three days as an adult man who's very important uh, is very challenging, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and, and to spend all this time in God's creation and with brothers in Christ, um, what I found was I was really anxious and nervous and um, one of the guys in our church, Patrick Chamberlain, facilitated this opportunity. So instead of just doing this thing, we had someone facilitate conversation so we could talk just like you did. And, uh, and all of us got to share our stories and figure out what God was saying to us and pray for each other and, uh, and then try to put it into practice as well. And it's interesting for most of us older men, what we found was like, hey, we all worry way too much. Like there's too many things that are happening in our head and uh, maybe we should be a little more present. And so for me, that's what God's inviting me in this season is to actually be a little more settled, a little more just sitting heavy to be with my family, to be with you guys and not so worried about 
six months and nine months and a year from now. And so I just loved, I love preparing the sermon with you, Chloe. I love the way that you've made space for God to, to have his way with you and super inspired for you to do it. And I hope, you know, for me as a pastor, for us as a congregation, that we would be people who would, even though it's a super simple process, what matters is actually doing the process so that we can then be the people. So I just, I, I asked Chloe to, to pray over us and for us, if that's okay. Would you do that for us? Yeah. Okay. God, thank you for bringing us all here today. Um, Lord, I pray that you help us find inspiration and, jo and joy in our practices and our spiritual disciplines so that we can be encouraged into a deeper relationship and a deeper walk with you. I pray that you continuously remind us that our identity is secure in you because we are your children and your heirs. Everyone here is dealing with something, Lord, and you hear their hearts, but I pray that everyone will turn to you to find their identity and encouragement in seasons of challenging yeses. We love you, God, and we're so grateful to be called your children. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Chloe.